Here we go. One more Dominion Sonship coming to you live today. We are thrilled to be alive and in Dominion and to be the very sons of the living God. And so it is a great day today to come again to the understanding and the revelation and the knowing of who our God is, that our God is for us. Our God has placed us in this very moment to dominate the circumstance and the lordship of things that really do not have a right to lord it over us. And so we are really about proclaiming the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we just came out of the Christmas season and um, what a demonstration of love that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And we know that not only did he come into the world, but he, he demonstrated what it was to live life before God. He demonstrated to us a life that was solely led by the word of God, the voice of God, that is, and by that which the Father has already done. And so Jesus came and walked before us and showed us Love, who love is, our Heavenly Father, and then went and paid the ultimate price for our redemption, for our justification, so that we might be right in the sight of love himself. Jesus died, laid down his life, and then he picked up his life for our sake and was resurrected and ascended and is now seated at the right hand of majesty on high, and we are right there seated in him. We are right there seated in him in a finished moment of redemption, in a finished moment of salvation, in a finished, finished, finished work of deliverance. So we today can know and should know and do know that we are free indeed because the Son has set us free. Are you free today? Yes, you are. If you are in Christ, you are free. If you are in Christ, you are free. And the only struggle is really a struggle in our mind where we haven't subdued thoughts. We haven't subdued old mental patterns of oppressive thought. Where we haven't submitted, where we haven't taken the word and allowed the word to wash our mind and to give us a new, brand new mindset which is the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. And so for the last, I don't know, two or three weeks, we, we, we moved, we moved our, our emphasis and we started focusing on revelation knowledge. And in particular, we are looking at the word epignosis that Paul uses a lot in Ephesians and in Colossians, he uses it especially. And last week we looked at Peter using it, epignosis is this divine knowledge. It's a, it's a knowledge that is of application. It is a knowledge that you, you, you gain from living in the proximity of the source of that knowledge. It is, it is really, uh, what I would say a becoming, a becoming of that which you know. It is really 
um, knowing how to walk out this divine reality. Not only now do you know that you're a child of God, but you're now living as a child of God. And above all, you're thinking as a child of God, and because as a man thinks, so is he. And so as your mindset is being renewed, and you are dawning that you, you are you you are allowing the word now to speak to you. You're really conforming to the mind of Christ. You really are becoming an expression of that which you believe. You, you are well, just like you know Jesus. The word of God was made flesh. Now the word that we are persuaded by, that we have yielded our life to, is now putting on flesh. It is turning into a reality, a tangibility in the natural. Something that is supernatural, something that is of divine power. Think about it. That dunamis power that I think two weeks ago we looked at. That dunamis power of our salvation is, 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 is given an expression through us. It's, it's, it's a being allowed to be demonstrated to the world and, and, and to really become, become who we are. That we now are becoming this demonstration, a true ambassador of Christ, a true ambassador of Christ. And so I got to keep it to my message today. My message today is um, in line of where we have been. In, and this is a title I felt landed in me this morning. Face to face is to know him. Face to face is to know God. Face to face with truth. And this is really how I finished last week's message. Um, this will be the third in a row. And, and really, I believe it's the third or the fourth in a row. The third in a row. And I'd recommend that you go back and listen to the other two. And, um, and as the Lord leads, listen to more than just the two. But... We have been building, I really felt a shift even coming into the fall season, uh, the end of summer 21 and into the fall season and um, uh, a stronger emphasis on the word of God, a stronger emphasis on on the persuasion that the word wants to persuade us by truth. And um, And so this is now we're moving into the deeper places of the word of God. And so we're looking at epignosis to know to have a knowledge that you can put your hands on of God, of the Word. And so let's go to 1 John 1. I will read that which I was impressed with this morning and what I perceive I saw was to spend a bit more time in the Passion Translation uh, to some verses I have read here before on my Dominion Sonship uh, and that, of course, you would have heard your own pastor preach that are quite familiar to us. And so I'm going to use the, the Passion Translation to really reawaken our senses again and, and not to just kind of parrot over and not to not to just say, yes, I know that. So what's your next verse, Desi? Let's go to First John and chapter 1 we're looking at. And so, again, face to face is to know him. That the word will show you that when you are in the word, the word is showing you the Father. We know that you can't come to the Father outside of Jesus, who is the word. And so now the Holy Spirit has been given to us to what? To disclose the word to us. To, to demonstrate the mind of Christ to us. Why? So we can see the Father. 
face to face, just as Jesus was before his heavenly father, face to face. And so Passion Translation chapter 1, 1 John verse 1, we read, We saw him. This is the Apostle John writing. This is the tail end of the New Testament. We're gearing to go towards the book of Revelation. There was also a book of John. But before that, there is the book of Jude, of course. And so we are coming into a moment of great revelation. We saw him with our own eyes. Every time I read this, I, I of course, am mindful that Apostle John walked physically with Jesus. So much so that when he saw him in his, in, when, when the apostle John saw Jesus after, uh, after his ascension and after Jesus having sat down in that place of authority and dominion that the father gave him in the heavenly place that was that Jesus, who he is now, our Jesus, this divine word of power made alive. When Jesus encountered John in the book of Revelation, John was stunned. He, he pretty much passed out. He did not recognize the one he walked with on earth. And so you see, we're talking about epignosis. We're talking about a knowing that is beyond carnal. And that's what Paul writes to Corinthians, that we're to not know, that, that we're not to even know Jesus after the flesh anymore. Let's go there because it might be a question. Where is that? Where is that, Desi? Where is that? To the Corinthians we go. Second Corinthians 5, verse 16. Well, really, the precursor is the precursor is um, from fourteen, right? For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus. This is the right judgment that we now have. That if one died for all, then all died, and if he died for all, that those who live, that those who live, should live no longer for themselves, should no longer live for their carnal senses and carnal sensation and carnal reality and carnal existence that because Christ died for all now we are not to live no longer live for ourselves but for him who died for them all and rose again therefore because we now not to live for our carnal sense the satisfaction and the gratification gratification of the lust of the eyes, of uh, the lust of flesh and the pride of life, the, all that carnality of striving with another, that we're not to live this way anymore, but now we have a brand new manner of judgment, of living, of life, and it's to live for Him, the one that died for us. And because we solely live for Him, from now on, Paul writes, 16, therefore from now on, draw the line in the sand. From now on. And really that line was drawn when you became born again, when you came to the revelation of the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. A line was drawn in the sun, in the, in the sand, and from there on the Holy Ghost has been edging you and, and really encountering you and 
and and and and and nudging you ever so lovingly to come back into the word to not depart so that you will grow into this brand new way of being it's this way from now on we regard no one no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no longer and John is the perfect example when he encountered Jesus when Jesus revealed himself and spoke to him and the revelation of the end time was given to the apostle John the beloved of God the beloved of God showed himself to the beloved of God the beloved of God Jesus showed himself to the beloved of God John See, all of this, all of this is in the love of God. And in the love of God, you do not regard flesh. How, you know, you hear people falling in love and you're like, oh, they can do nothing wrong, nothing wrong. I mean, a bystander can, can look at a particular person and like see all oh, these things amiss, but the one that's loving that person, they see nothing wrong. In love. In love. You don't regard them after the flesh. And so here. Why? Because we're new creations. We have, the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so when I read this portion in 1 John, I often think of my moment with God. Although I did not physically walk as John had with, with Jesus on earth, I am walking, I can't even say physically, because my divine relationship with God through revelation is marking my natural walk on earth, and that's what it's supposed to do. You're supposed to be a mark for God on earth. You're supposed to be a demonstrator of the love of God to another. And so this is it. We saw him with our own, with our very own eyes. We see him today. We gazed upon him and heard speak. And I think of whenever I'm in the word, I'm gazing upon him and I'm hearing him speak. Our hands actually touched him. I have an encounter with the living God every time in the word of God. Every time I am in the word of God, I touch him. Every time. For me, the reading of the word is uh, uh, the most supernatural moment of my life. Always has been. And so I thought it's the same way with everyone else because when I got born again, the word became alive and I was drawn and, and the word drew me and, and it became exactly as John said, I, I saw him with my very own eyes. My very own spirit eyes see him in the word. I gaze upon him and I, I hear him speak to me. My hand actually touches him. You can walk in this reality. Do you know how? It's forsaking an old religious mindset. A binding thought process of the world that oftentimes and sometimes we can actually pick up in the church. 
of how you approach God, of how you don't approach God, of what you do, of what you don't do, of, of what normal Christianity is versus what normal Christianity is not, of what it seems to be on fire for God versus what it seems to be not on fire for God. And so now people start walking these little tight ropes and they're always slipping and sliding and then they fall and they fall and they fall and they just give up. I'd give up too if I, if I made to walk a tight religious rope. I don't do that. Don't do that. Liberty, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Liberty. And we're not to forsake the assembling together. We're not. We're thankful for the local church. But I believe God is transitioning. God is transitioning all of us. And glory be to God for that into this epignosis, that we are the bride of Christ, that we are the sons of the living God, and the world is yearning to see a demonstration of love on earth through the sons of God, through those that call themselves Christians. We are Christians. We are of Christ. And if we're not to regard Christ after the flesh of one another, hereafter, we're to regard ourselves after the love of God. So you see, it's difficult to just keep to the passage. I get stirred up. Our hands actually touched them. The one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. Our hands touch him. The one who was from the beginning, the very living expression of God. That's the logos. The logos. That Jesus is all the full expression of God the Father. An opening of our understanding that this word is an expression. That's what Hebrew says. What does Hebrew say? You've heard me say it over and over, but I'm just going to go there. In Hebrews, that he is the expressed image. In Hebrews 1, in Hebrews 1, about Jesus, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, by himself, you don't have a part to play there. You don't add a little piece to it. By himself purged our sins. Sat down, sat down, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What am I saying? We want to open up our understanding. The Holy Spirit wants to unveil who our Heavenly Father is. And traditions of man and religiosity have blocked and marred the vision of our loving Father to us. Legalism, the letter that kills, versus the living word that gives life. This living expression of God, which is the word of God, which is the word of God, which is the word of God. Have a passionate relationship with the word of God.
This life giver was made visible and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived. How did Jesus live? This eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father. Lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. And so we proclaim to you, and so we proclaim to you, and so we proclaim to you, John says, that what we have seen and heard, you can hear the passion. To, he, he, like Paul, he says, I'm coming to impart a spiritual gift to you. Paul writes that to the, to the Corinthians. And here, here John is saying, and so I proclaim to you, that which he has given to you, I freely give to you. That what we have seen and heard about this life giver, this life giver is who? He's the living expression of God. He's the word of God made flesh that they handled. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that, so that we may share and enjoy this life together, not to be damned, not to be condemned, not to be begrudging, not to be put down, not to be beat down, but to what? To share and enjoy the life, this divine life together, together with him, together. And we looked last week with Peter talking about this like precious faith that we have together. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus, the Anointed One. We are writing these things to you because we want to release to you our fullness of joy. We want to, John says, release to you this full measure of exuberance, this divine thrill that we have because we've handled the living word of God. And I can tell you, anytime and every time you do handle the living word of God, it propels you into a forward motion where you want to share this divine joy. Now, on the opposite side is if you have been dogmatic in your Bible reading. If you have been, if you have been reading with a religious mindset of how bad you are, of how unworthy you really are before God, of how undeserving you really, really are. You just messed up. Jesus died for you. The least thing you can do for Jesus, especially this Christmas season, baby Jesus, the least thing you can do is, is get along with your husband or with your neighbor or with your children or, or, or whatever. Keep adding the list. Keep adding on to the list. How will you from that moment want to share with exuberance that which you believe? You're condemned. You're condemned. Condemnation births death. Love births life. And so here we see those that have an experience in the Word of God. 
The first week we looked at Apostle Paul. Last week we looked at Peter. And this week we're looking at John. And actually, I'm not even mindful of having done it. I just realized this is what we're doing. That when you have a relationship with truth, what are these people doing? How do we get to know of them? They Because they are sharing. They have penned down the New Testament. They were so excited by that which they knew. Their epignosis moved them. It, they, they beyond the shadow, actually. Uh, it, if you look at the New American Standard, every time they, they, they translate the word epignosis, they'll call it absolute knowledge, true knowledge. True knowledge, absolute knowledge. Actually, I'd written down some of the, it, 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 it's not just carnal knowledge. True knowledge, absolute, real knowledge is the other. Real knowledge. Lived out reality. That when you have this divine revelation, it moves you to share, just like John just said here. We're writing these things to you because we want to release to you our fullness of joy. Let's go to 1 John. I'll stay in the Passion. And this one I've read in the Passion many times. It's maybe one of my more favorite Bible passages in the Passion Translation. This is John writing again. So what we, we, we in 1 John, he wrote about his own experience with the Word. And here he's going to talk about the Word's experience with the Father. And so John could have this experience with the Word. Why? Because the Word has this experience with the Father. And as he is, so are we where? Right here, right now. In the very beginning, this is, this is John 1, 1. In the very beginning, the living expression, that's the logos, the word, was already there. And the living expression was with God, was with God, yet fully God. It takes revelation to, to apprehend and to understand that this living, the word, the logos, that in the totality of who God is, the, 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 the logos of the word was with God and was God, was with God and was God. They're one, one. You can't distinct, distinct between them. Yet fully God, they were together. This is it. Face to face, they were together, face to face in the very beginning. I wrote that to know him, it's always in the face to face moment. And we know about the power of an encounter with God. And somehow on some level, um, because we've heard so many testimonies of people who've encountered God. Uh, for example, I had my encounter in a night vision. But I can tell you that was only one time. In that way, I've had other night visions, but I'm talking about the one I got born again by. But the majority times and ways that I encounter God is in His Word. That's why I read First John in the Passion, that we have handled Him. I gaze upon Him in the Word. I'm always encountering Him 
face to face. And it's in this face to face encounter with the word of God that is truth that I'm gaining epignosis, that I'm beginning to unveil this, this truth is unveiling himself to me. And, and as he's unveiling, he's unveiling me. And there is a oneness that's coming into being just as the father and the son are one. I'm in that oneness. And in the oneness, I'm being moved and propelled forward by the Holy Spirit. And then I do actions of faith that really bypass my carnal mind. I'm being solely led by a divine reality. Oh my. This living expression made all things. See, when you're face to face with your Father, all things are made. That's why we recognize Hebrews writes in 11, that by faith we understand that the eons, the world was framed. It's in this face to face encounter that your life is made. It's you're like weeping at times. He has it all for us. All of it. He is. And we, we get so busy bodied here, there, everywhere looking for answers. Someone, someone help me out. Someone give me a hand out. Someone show me favor. Someone be kind to me. And all of those are greatly appreciated. But I tell you, this face-to-face encounter with the living word is all you need. From here, he'll move you and place you in the right employment. From here, he'll move and place you in the right relationships. From here, he'll move you and place you into a local church. From here, he'll move you and do your life. Jesus did works. He wasn't stagnant, a little flake in the air, did nothing. He walked and demonstrated what it was like to be led solely by the Holy Spirit. Solely by that which he heard the Father say, he did nothing, nothing, zero of his own accord. We quote these things. We even go as far as quoting John again, that of myself, I can do nothing. I mean, you hear it of myself. Yes, yes, and amen, Sister Jesse. Of myself, I can do nothing. As soon as this is done, this broadcast, and you go back to your, let me see, what can I do? And maybe you might not frame it. What can I do? But you're doing it. How do I not? Because I've done it. 
I catch myself doing it. And yet, and yet, and yet, I'll be the first one to say, but of myself, I can do nothing. The flesh profits for nothing. And we catch ourselves in these works of flesh because now you gotta do something. Yeah. You do what he shows you to do. And it's from this face to face, eyeball to eyeball. Actually, that's what in Ephesians 1, 4, we said in the presence of him, we eyeball to eyeball, buddy. Ooh, one, like right there. One, one, we are in him. He is in us. He made all things, he said, for nothing has existed apart from him. Life came into being because of him. Because of him who? Who is who? He is the living expression. It was what? Face to face with the Father. See, when you're face to face with the Father, when you're face to face as, as John was with the Word of God, face to face, life is coming into being. You're releasing life. You, you are becoming that life-giving spirit. Because as you're receiving, you're releasing. As you're beholding, you're becoming. I want to look at the Passion Translator here. He makes a note on there in verse 2 about they were together face to face in the beginning. And uh, it says it, the, the Greek word used here and the Hebraic concept conveys conveyed is that of being, it is that of being before God's face, face to face. It's conveying that, right? There is no Hebrew word for presence. There's no Hebrew word, I'm in God's presence. That is the presence of God. There's no Hebrew word for it. Only the word face. What is he trying to say to us? I want you close. I want you close. I want you before me, right here in my face, be in my face. You know, we live in a culture, I, I'm not from North America, and I remember coming to North America and recognizing how no one wanted anyone in their face. I remember going to university in the States, and my my first moment of recognition of this was very startling. And um, I was in the mail um, mail office. What is it called? The post office. I was in the post office, lining up to send a letter for overseas. I was an international student, and so. Uh, the way it was back home, I grew up actually in Africa most of my life up until that moment. I, um, the lines, there was a lineup and so everyone was socially distanced of their own accord. This goes back many years. Uh, I'm thinking like really like 30 years ago. And I was in the mailbox. I didn't recognize it, but people were kind of like, if there, here's one person, the other one was that, that was kind of the lineup and, and um, I guess what you call respecting someone else's space. Well, I didn't come from that culture. I didn't know what that was for me. You love people. You're with people all the time. You rub shoulders. You hug. You you walk holding hands. It's just how it was. It's just how it was. You, you you're very close. You're very close. And and so I, the person was right in front of me in the, the in the little lineup. And so I was I was I was I think a foot away. I was just a foot away from their head. I could have counted their hairs if I wanted to. But that was just my normal moment. I'm just lining up, right? Back home, actually, I thought I'm giving them space one foot. Back home, they'll be like, don't touch your clothes. That's how close. That's how close. 
And, and, um, and so I was a foot away and then I was waiting in line and, you know, the person didn't turn and say anything mean to me. I, I just became cognizant suddenly that everyone's really sparsely lined up. So the one, the guy that was in front, that was uh, behind was like a meter away and a meter away. And I'm like, I'm really close. And I realized, oh my dear, I've got a whole different space awareness or lack thereafter that they would have said. But God wants you in his space. Where God's concerned, you don't need the social distance. Where God's concerned, he actually says, come closer. I want to breathe your breath and you breathe my breath. Oh, Malita, la madru, kulaba. Where God's concerned, it's an intense embrace. Where God's concerned, you're actually living in him and he's living in you. So God wants to shatter this place of separation and distance and God is over there and I'm over here and you know, may one day, one day because I'm born again, I'll make it over there. Well, God is right here, right now in me. And I'm right now, right over there where he is. Heavenly places. One. That's why I said the concept of what we just read in verse 1, the living expression was with God, was with God, yet fully God, totally consumed by God. Was with God, yet fully God, had his own identity. You see, we are individual members of the body of Christ. We do have an identity. He's given me a name. He's given me traits that pertain to me. And so oftentimes I've said, God, I want to be more normal. No. He says, you're normal, Desi. You are a normal Desi. That, that's your normal. <laughs> the distinctness of who we are is precious to God. He has given it to us. This diversity. But this diversity is not to bring a separation from another. It is yet fully God. Yet fully we are in the body of Christ as one. And so I just wanted to, to mention that about in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew word for presence, there's, there's no such word, but it's only in the face, all in the face. So let's just then go, let's look at ourselves now. I'll read one verse because, uh, yeah, because obviously I would not be able to do the, the other. I'll read the one in Ephesians because I mentioned it. And then we'll continue next week as the Lord leads. Uh, Ephesians, where is Ephesians? Actually, a bookmark. Mine, Ephesians, the New King James is um, verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the Father and Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. The, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us, just as he chose us in him, he chose us in him again. Look. Oneness. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him. So again, you see, in Him and yet before Him, just like Jesus was what? With Him and yet was fully Him. 
And so we, he, show, he has chosen us in him to be what? Before him. You see it. You see it everywhere in the word of God. He knows who you are. He wants you before him. And for you to know that you actually are in him. Now that's the intimacy of this love relationship that we have in God with God through the word and by the Holy Spirit. He chose us in him. So we brought holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. There's nothing but love. There's nothing but thrill in God's heart towards us. So I want to read that now in the, um, in, in the Passion. I'll start verse 2. Actually, verse 3. Let's do verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, every spiritual blessing, everything is in him. And he's given to us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished, lavished upon us as a love gift. This is what Christmas is about. Has been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. This is who Jesus is. This is what Easter is about. Resurrection Sunday. This is what the life of a Christian is about. A gift from our lavish heavenly father. It says everything, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. The father of our Lord Jesus. Oh, because. Oh, because he sees us wrapped into Christ. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. One with Christ. Because he sees us wrapped into Christ, this is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And we, over the Christmases, we just celebrated him with all of our hearts. Every day we do this. Celebrate him with all of our hearts. And this is it. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained, and that word ordained is he, he predestined us, he marked us with his love, he ordained us that we should be seen as holy in his eyes. Don't ever struggle that God sees you as wretched. It's a lie from Satan himself. He's the wretched one. Don't ever struggle that you're not loved by God. He sees you as holy, holy, pure in his sight as holy in his eyes and think about it you are face to face and so he's got a real up close personal view of you he's not keeping you far off so he doesn't see those things that you think are off about you he's got you real close real close buddy right here and he says you're awesome you're awesome Desi you're awesome 
whoever your name is. You're awesome. You're holy in my sight. Holy in his sight with unsustained innocence. And that's blameless in his sight, the New King James says. Unsustained innocence. Innocent. Pure. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Always he wanted us. Always. If he always wanted us. If you mess up one time right now. That doesn't override the always he always wanted you. Let the one time go off of the hundred times. He has always, before he laid the foundation of the universe, has wanted you. And finally he got you in Christ. You're wrapped together. Oh, he's so thrilled about us. In his perfect plan, he was always to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. So I read this and I want to look at the Strong's Concordance now. In his presence, that we are before him in his presence. Ephesians 1, 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence. I want to read the in his presence in the Greek. And it means over against. In his presence, over against, before the face of. Actually, so it is made of two words, kata, which is down exactly according to, and then with 1799, the word um, enopion, which gives that first word an intensity, and it's actually, and that second word is in the eye, in the presence, so properly you could say down in the eye. So, the we are in the presence, and that's where this 2714, I'll try to say that, kata no, no peon. So the one part means down and the other is in the eye. So actually it means in the eye, in the presence, properly, down in the eye, that is in someone's direct concentrated gaze. Before him in love, in the presence. And what are we in his presence? In this intense gaze, we are holy and blameless. And so that's why when you're in the word of God, the word of God is seeing you and this love sight is actually purifying and, and driving away everything that is not right, that is of the carnal nature, because in his presence only life lives. And so the more you abide in the word, the more you're before him and you allow yourself to be before him. And, and next week, I'm believing to tie the word epignosis, which is the knowledge, the noun, to, of course, the, the, um, the verb, I believe, is epignos. Anyway, we'll look it up next week. But it, it actually, the degree to your knowledge is the degree that you have allowed yourself to be known by God. 
To the degree that you're able to walk out this divine reality of Christ on earth is the degree that you've allowed yourself to recognize you're very much before him and you yield to the oneness you have with him. I want to finish reading this, this, this word, the presence in his presence. Down in the eye, that is someone's direct concentrated gaze in the very presence of, especially being in the very full, decisive presence of. Because he had made up his mind. That's what we read, right? It was his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. It's his decision. He has a right. He has a say-so in our life. And his say-so is, I want you close. Draw nigh unto me and I draw nigh unto you. Right? That's what James writes. Uh, another word, study of this word, it refers, to, in the presence of, it refers to God. The all-knowing one who always acts in conjunction with all that he knows, which is always absolute knowledge. When we are in the face when we are in the face of him, face to face with him, we are in the face of full knowledge. So where does full knowledge come from? Face to face with God. How do you know him? Face to face with God. How do you walk out your Christian life? Face to face with God. How? Face to face. When? Face to face. Why? Face to face. Everything is from this place of the face-to-face -face encounter with the living God. And so I'll finish with, with John 1 again. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. It's already there for you. The way the Father has always been there for the Word, and the Word has always been there for us. This logos, the word, was already there, and the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together. And that's why you see John writing for John similar, how he handled the word. And we now, I can go to Paul's writing, and maybe next week are in the same place, handling this word. Face to face in the beginning, they were together. And so... That is what life is about, being lived out in this face-to-face -face moment that we have with God in the word of the living God. Amen. We're done. We are done. Thank you, Jesus.